you're listening to PS Tape Recorder, although it is digital, and I did bring that up to him, okay, and he got very defensive about it, I'm T.J. Miller. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, Chris Hardwick. What an excellent, excellent guest. It was a TRS-80. It was a TRS-80 where it was the, it was the original, um, like the old terminal unit, where it was like the keyboard was part of the, they were all in the same unit, and it had a little tape, a little tape machine. That, that didn't, I, you know, I didn't say, there was a dramatic improvement when they came out with the Color Computer 2. We've been trying to get Chris on the show for years, but of course he's super, super busy with running Nerdist Industries and all the associated parts of that. We managed to grab 15 minutes of his time, and uh, as you might suspect, he is the nicest guy in the world, nicest guy in comedy. I think you're really going to enjoy that chat. We have a song of the week coming up from a group called Glam Skanks. Uh, there's a story that goes along with that as well. I'm not sure how much I'm going to reveal on that one, but um, stay tuned for that at the end of the show. But first, we have a dumb bit. So you might have seen this online, um, Lawrence O'Donnell over at MSNBC. Well, uh, he kind of lost it a little bit. Things start out okay, but then uh, things go awry. Police Sergeant Steve Perez, who had been missing since Sunday morning. You have insanity in my earpiece. Don't, don't leave it there. It's not my earpiece. It's somebody talking on our lines. So he manages to put himself back together, and uh, he starts going on again with, uh, with his show. And then this happens. Coming up. Is Donald Trump going to be called to testify to Congress? Michael Liskoff has the latest on that. Stop the hammering. Stop the hammering out there. Who's got a hammer? Where is it? I don't know. It's on a Where's the hammer? It's on a is it on the... Go up on the other floor. Somebody go up there and stop the hammering. Stop the hammering. I'll go down to the goddamn floor myself and stop it. Keep the goddamn commercial break going. And at this point, it reminds me of like Don Imus back in the day when he used to throw those fits on the air, which you weren't really sure were maybe were partially comical, but maybe had some truth to them. And then uh, toward the end, he isn't as upset, but Lawrence O'Donnell is still pretty grumpy about what's been going on. I don't know why I bother to say how to cut the slots when you don't do it. I just don't, I don't know why I, I just, so now I have to chase those stupid goddamn entrails that you allowed him to stick out there jesus christ crazy fucking sound coming in my ear this fucking stupid hammering i told you why i wanted those fucking words cut it just fucking sucks it fucking sucks to be out here with this out of control shit so there are a lot of opinions on this uh, around the internet. Uh, our editor over at Pop Culture Beast, Garen Cockrell, uh, weighed in on Facebook and said, hey, look, he was just upset that, the, that things weren't going well. What's the big deal? And uh, then I saw, when I was getting the audio for this over on the side on YouTube there, uh, Young Turks address this. I thought, well, this is cool. Young Turks are going to take an objective look at this. Or so you would think. Oh, everybody just bring it down be human for a second. Yeah, and in fact, even the anger makes you more human. Yeah, so, okay, I know he loses it, but... This didn't make me dislike him. Um, it just showed his human side, and you never see the human side of people. And I, it just made me appreciate him as a human. Like, it's okay, okay? We all have our, our meltdowns. It's not the end of the world. Let's take a look at the next one, though. 
Yeah, they were down with it. <laughs> Anna Kasparian there, along with Sang Uger of Young Turks. Hey, what's the big deal, right? So, of course, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking this. No. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Yeah, O'Reilly losing his mind there. And uh, there are some differences, but I don't think there are a lot of differences. Yeah, Lawrence O'Donnell seems uh, upset and O'Reilly seems completely unhinged, but I still don't think there's a lot of difference. And again, you throw Imus into that mix. And uh, and in fact, I used to have a, a boss, well, it wasn't my boss, it was my boss's boss at uh, a former job who was just like this. I mean, he would go off on my boss. He didn't really ever go off on me. He once called me up and sternly asked me why uh, one of our cashiers was on the phone instead of uh, ringing up customers or something like that. But that was it. But he he berated uh, my superior and uh, one of my colleagues too. So there are people just like this in the world. And maybe Lawrence O'Donnell and, and Bill O'Reilly are just those kinds of guys. And uh, shockingly, no one's brought up anyone's Irish temper. But since I'm uh, probably a quarter Irish, I'll bring that up right now. Um, Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. But I, I do think we are giving Lawrence O'Donnell a bit of a pass on this when we really gave O'Reilly a hard time. Although, again, uh, O'Reilly notoriously has a short fuse. And of the two, he seems a little more unhinged. In fact, I mean, this is O'Reilly's M.O. Here he is with Geraldo Rivera a couple years ago discussing immigration. And Geraldo gets, gets pretty upset, too. This guy shouldn't have been here. Cool your jets. It has nothing to do with illegal aliens. It has to do with drunk driving. It does Don't, don't obscure he a tragedy to make a cheap political if point. I'm the father. It is a cheap political no, point. No, it isn't. And you know This it. is justice. This has nothing to do you with that poor anarchy. mayor. You it has want nothing to do no. with that mayor. You want anarchy. No. What you I want, want open border anarchy. What, I, what, what I want is fairness. We have lured fairness these people. Bull. We have lured these people. This is the We have lured these people to this country with a promise of jobs. In a country where there is... And I think in a way, people expect this more from O'Reilly maybe than they do from Lawrence O'Donnell. I don't know. So maybe it's uh, we should be giving O'Reilly the pass on this one and saying, hey, that's, that's just cool. I think the only time we're going to have to worry about Lawrence O'Donnell is if there's a loofah involved. Chris Hardwick is a stand-up comedian, TV presenter, musician. Gosh, he's done everything. I, I could waste this entire time uh, set aside for the intro to tell you all of his credits. But instead, let's just get to our interview with Chris Hardwick. Hi, Chris. How you doing? Good, how are you? Good, good. Well, I've been trying to put this together for years, but you're so crazy busy, uh, it hasn't worked out until now. I know, and I haven't been back in, uh, it's been a little while since I've been back to Minneapolis, but it's, Minneapolis is one of the, legitimately one of the best comedy towns in the country, and, uh, and acting is an amazing club. That's what I hear. Um, I'm actually in Cincinnati. I've only been to Minneapolis twice in the airport for an hour, but, um... <laughs> But uh, I've been writing for the Minneapolis well, paper for years right and years. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it worked out last time. I got to interview your feature for that show, which was April Richardson, uh, who's on the Rock Solid podcast. And I'm friendly with Pat Francis, so it was nice to be able to chat with her. So that worked out at least. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So um, I just know bits and pieces about you, though, from following you over the years. Just these little interviews I've seen. I don't even know where you're from originally. I was born in Louisville, Kentucky, and I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, so you're just down, you were down the river from, from me here in Cincinnati. Okay, well, I didn't know that. Floated right, floated right back home. There you go. <laughs> and so, um, 
I know that you, you kind of grew up with some, I guess, uh, uh, what all, you could all kind of described as uh, nerdy pursuits, I guess. What kind of stuff were you into apart from comedy? Um, I mean, I was I was into computers at a very young age. I got my first computer in 1981. Uh, I played uh, Dungeons & Dragons. I still have my old D&D books. Uh, I was in the chess club. Uh, you know, I used to play chess before school, during lunch, and after school every day. And we, you know, we'd go on tournaments and stuff. Um, my dad owned a bowling center, so I bowled all the time just because I was there. Oh. And, uh, and video games, you know, and, and video games. Okay. So that first computer, was it a Radio Shack TRS-80 or was it a Commodore VIC-20? What an excellent, excellent guess. It was a TRS-80. There you go. It was a, it was a, it was a TRS-80 where it was the, it was the original, um, like the old terminal unit where it was like the keyboard was part of the, they were all in the same unit. And yeah. Then, um, and it had a little tape, a little tape machine. Yes. That, that, that didn't, I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't really able to do a whole lot with that computer, but then they, there was a dramatic improvement when they came out with the Color Computer 2. Yes. Because that, you could actually hook up to your television set, and uh, and so I was able to do a lot more with that. Yeah, my uncle had the TRS-83, which he used to line up a satellite, and then I created an animation on it to make it, to simulate what the signal looked like going from the broadcaster up to the satellite back down to his house, and he thought that was the greatest thing ever. I was like 13 or something. Oh, that's fun. I that's, know. And that's my, really cool. And then the VIC-20, of course, is my first computer, which uh, I couldn't do much on. I tried to make music on it. That that worked out a little bit, but um, yeah. So, cool. But comedy was also an interest as well, I take it, at, at some point. Yeah, I mean, comedy was really the first interest that I ever had. Um, and it, it just, you know, I was born a few years before SNL started. And when SNL started, you know, that just, opened up a whole comedy world for me and my parents recognized it very early on and thankfully you know when it came to comedy my parents would really let me watch anything or listen to anything and so when they noticed that I was focused on SNL they you know they started buying me Steve Martin records and all, all different you know any kind of comedy anything that they noticed that I was into so that that was really the first thing that I ever loved was, was comedy. And then okay. in the eighties, there was a tremendous comedy boom. And so there, you know, there was a, a glut of stand up comedy on, um, on television. And, uh, and so that, that helped foster that. So kind of where was your focus? Was it still on computers and things like that? Or was it more on comedy and, and performing comedy? How, how did that kind of path go? Well, it was, on, it was on all of it. I mean, you know, it's like it's people like a lot of different things. And so it's, you know, if you're on the computer, you can be listening to a comedy album, <laughs> you know, True. Yeah. They, it, it all just sort of, it all just kind of overlapped. And, and so when the internet uh, comes along, that's just, uh, that, that's a, 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 a beautiful marriage for you, I take it. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, or did it, it take a while for it to kind of come... It, it really, it really was great, but it, you know, comedy didn't, it, it took a while for essentially the bandwidth, you know, for, it was like, you know, I, I think I started, started online in like 1993. And at the time they're just, you know, because modems were slow and yeah. computers 
had much more limited storage capacities that, uh, I mean, in, those in the, in the nineties, you know, anything was, anything you were watching online was about the size of a stamp and it took, uh, yeah. it took a while to download. Yes. So, you know, I mean, I, I really think the podcast boom was really the big thing that, uh, that helped put more comedy voices. I mean, you know, aside from obviously from, from YouTube, but um, between YouTube and social media and podcasts all kind of converging around the same time, that uh, that that really created another comedy explosion. Yeah, definitely. And and you seem to really have your finger still on the pulse of what excites America. The uh, the Walking Dead show that you did at midnight. That whole the whole construction of at midnight is just you know, of course, it was very social media focused and current events focused of what's going on. And is it, you always just kind of been that in tune, or just kind of have that natural talent for it, or is it just a bit of luck? Did, I'm sorry, could you say that one more time? Oh, you seem to have your finger on the, even to this day, have your finger on the pulse of what you know America's looking for between the uh, Walking Dead post show and at midnight, and real, and you know the the podcast network. You really seem to know what the next big thing is going to be, and are able to ride that wave. And you always been that intuitive on that. <laughs> I don't know if I really, I mean, I'm not really sure I think about it in those terms. I just kind of make things that I found fun to me that I haven't necessarily seen before that I like. I mean, it, it you know, um, it, the idea of doing, I mean, panel, like at midnight is essentially like a, a British panel show, and there's a ton of them in England, but there, yes. there just aren't that many here. I mean, I don't think there's any here, really, uh, anymore. And so... Uh, just the idea of doing that, but being able to, I mean, you know, I would constantly have to tell people like at midnight's not a, they go at midnight's a game show. I go, no, no, it's not a real game show. <laughs> you know, much in the same way that the daily show uses the, the news show format to tell you about what happens in the news that day at midnight, use a game show format to tell you what happened on social media that day. And so it, it really was just a, a mechanism to present topical jokes. That was that was it. Yeah, but I don't think I, I didn't I didn't necessarily think like and or or was was Talking Dead either. I don't. I mean, it was when we did it for the first time. It was people said it was dumb and weird. You know, yeah. like why do you why, why do you need to talk about a show after a show? That's stupid. You know, and uh, and so but then a handful of years later, you know. Lots of people are trying to make shows after shows, so yeah. I don't know. It wasn't it's just sort of. I, 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 but I don't. I don't ever start anything and think like, "Oh, this is going to be a trend." I just think, "I hope this doesn't suck." I hope people <laughs> like it. You know, but but you really just kind of have to make things that are fun and exciting to you. Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, I'm 50 and my wife is around my age, and uh, we're, we were huge at midnight fans. And then I'm supposed to tell you, uh, my daughter, who's 13, I don't know how much involvement you have in the day-to-day parts of Nerdist, but they, she loves the, the Spider-Man Bruno Mars thing. Watches it all the time. She's a huge Spider-Man fan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our folks at Nerdist made that. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, that was a really good... Uh, that, was a, that, was a, that was Andrew Bowser who made that. That okay. was a great thing and, and really fun that uh, Tom Holland loved it so much. Yeah, and it just shows you the breadth of the appeal of the Nerdist, you know, and of the whole, you know, Hardwick Empire. <laughs> well, it, I mean, look, it's not all me. I mean, there's yeah, a lot oh, yeah. of people right. involved who, you know, and, and I, I never 
the whole reason that I expanded Nerdist and brought in other voices is because I just thought it would be boring if it was just my voice. And I knew that, you know, even to sustain something day to day for a long period of time, it needed to have a lot of different points of view and voices in it. And so, um, but they, they do such a great job over there. Yeah, I was gonna. I told her I said I, I'm not sure how involved because I, I came on. I saw it was Nerdist because she showed it to me. I'm like, oh, I'm talking to the guy that runs Nerdist on Thursday. She goes, you gotta tell him how great it is. I'm like, I told her I'm not sure he was at the ground level of this thing, but yeah, I'll, I'll pass along their, your compliments. So, um, and the other thing too with that midnight is uh, I, I was in the office the other day. I didn't realize my office mates were such huge fans because you know we're always cracking jokes, making fun of our boss when he's not around, and someone actually said instead of laughing, actually said points. Which I thought was the greatest thing. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we just, yeah, that's, that's, that's really cool. That's really cool. Points really just, we did a bunch of uh, practice shows before At Midnight went on the air at the Nerdist as a comedy theater at Meltdown Comics. And so, you know, in the spring, Comedy Central said, we're going to let you do some shows on the air in the fall as a test run. And so I said, well, let's, Let's test the show as many times as we just workshop it live at, at the theater and uh, at the showroom and, and just see what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, after we did one or two, we started to get too hung up on the idea of what the scores were. And it's like, okay, you get 250 points, you get 125 points. And it started to feel confusing. And I sort of felt like, well, the amount isn't really what makes sense. So let's just, I'll just generically award points to people. And, uh, so, you know, I don't know, that was just one of those things that you don't really expect is going to catch on, you know, it was, it was it was really just done as a fun way to sort of say, like, hey, you know, points, you're getting these, but they don't mean anything. Yeah. Uh, two more quick questions, because I know you got to go. Um, do you just have still a million ideas running around in your head of things you want to try, or are you more judicious in your creative process? Uh, how is that working out for future projects? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things that I want to do. I'm uh, currently, I have a production deal at AMC, and so I've sold them a few scripted shows, and so I want to develop more scripted programming, and and uh, um, I'm developing a, a and I'm going to host a, a science show for NBC with Mark Burnett is the, is one is the other executive producer, and and so I'm excited about that, and then um, and I really want to, I really want to make horror movies at some point because uh-huh. it's all my wife and I watch. Okay, cool. And so for people coming to see you live, uh, what, what's your stand-up set like these days? What kind of thing is you talking about? Because people may be used to you as a game show host and you know a, t- a TV presenter, as we say in England. Well, we don't say it. I'm not British, but as they say in Britain. Uh, what can folks kind of expect <laughs> from, your, from your full stand-up set? I mean, that's always a tough question to answer because I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know how to answer that. I, I, I guess uh, there, I mean, I guess it's observational. I, I don't know. I mean, I think when you try to describe your, your own standup, if you're reading it in print, it just looks dumb. If people go, well, that looks dumb, you know, but I, yeah. I guess I'm just telling stories. No, that's not true either. No, I don't know. I don't know. The only thing I can tell you is that, uh, of, you know, like maybe 30% of my set is interacting with the audience okay so the shows aren't are never exactly the same but they're you know it's comedy there's jokes and there's stories and there's 
quick jokes and longer jokes and stuff about my life and stuff about other people's lives. I mean, I, I don't okay. really, I don't really know how to tell you. No, that, that makes sense. You know, this yeah. is what this is. It's just, it's a comedy. You know, it's a comedy set. I've, I've been a stand-up for 19 years now and, you know, um, and uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I think, uh, I think I'm, I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I think people, people tend to have, from what I've noticed, they seem to have fun at the shows. And, yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, yeah. Well, from what our friend April Richardson describes, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty big deal. People are very excited to see Chris Hardwick when he comes to town. So, <laughs> I think people have a well, lot of Well, thank you so time. much. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, and hopefully we'll see you here in Cincinnati uh, sometime soon as well. Um, I think you were here a while ago, and... Um, Again, you're yeah, I was there in North, Northern Kentucky at that, that club that's in right. Northern Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It moved. Well, they're redoing that one, and they're open another one in the northern suburbs. And of course, we have Go Bananas here, so uh, so we have the three. But uh, yeah, well, appreciate you taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule. I really appreciate you doing this, and uh, you know, good luck the rest of the way with all your future projects. We'll uh, we'll be following. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks, Thanks you so much. All right. Bye bye. Thanks again to Chris Hardwick for being on the show. I am recording the uh, wraparound footage for the show this week uh, remotely, so I don't have Chris's dates. But I think if you Google Chris Hardwick, why, by golly, you're going to find yourself some dates. I know he's in Minneapolis coming up, and you're going to want to catch him. Not sure who his features with, if he's with our friend April Richardson or not, but uh, you're in for a funny show, obviously, uh, if you go. And, of course, you can find Nerdist Industries on the Internet as well. Well, our song of the week is from a group called Glam Skank. I will explain uh, we were trying to cover the Adam Ant Show in Cleveland, and our friend Pat Francis of Rock Solid put me in touch with Ant's uh, publicist. I said, oh, th- this person's great. Always accommodating, always helps me out. So I emailed, 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 called, nothing. Get an email a week before the show. Hey, would you like to interview the opening act, Glam Skank? Just took out of the blue, and I'm like, um, no. We bought tickets. We're just going to go with civilians. It's a big trip for my wife and I. My wife loves Adam Ant. Oddly, of the hundreds and hundreds of concerts she's seen in her life, she never got to see Adam Ant. So this is a big treat for us. So I felt badly. I, I didn't feel uh, Glam Skank should get hurt in this, although their very name, I think, is doing that for them. Uh, and so I said, sure, send me some tracks. I'll listen to them for a song of the week. And we saw them, and they put on a great live show. Th- these ladies can play. Uh, they're very lovely. Uh, the audience loved them. Uh, and I think, I figured, you know, I didn't really like any of the songs a lot at first, but I figured, you know what, let's play something out of my comfort zone. Because first, I'm not a big glam guy. Uh, I, I like some 70s music. Uh, my like of glam begins and ends with David Bowie. I don't even like T-Rex that much. I consider Queen to be more glam adjacent. Uh, so, But uh, I like some of their tunes. Again, the name, it's going gonna, gonna to sound like I'm mansplaining to these girls, but Glam Skank almost sounds like it's the name you'd hear on a sitcom. Where are you going to see tonight, son? Oh, this new band, Glam Skank. Ha, 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 laugh track. But um, so I, I, I think what they should do is uh, one of their songs is called Glitter City. That's the tune we're going to hear, actually. They should call themselves Glitter City and make the song Glam Skank. Then I think they'd be in good shape. But anyway, uh, like I said, they can play, they can sing, and if you uh, if you like the rock, and the audience loved them, so what do I know? Um, even though it's not, it's not quite in my wheelhouse, uh, it, it grew on me through their 35-minute uh, set. And this is the song uh, I liked. Well, I liked one other song, too, but I didn't get sent that song. So this is my second favorite song, title track, to their album, Glitter City, it is Glam Skank. You can check them out on the internet, of course, and we will link to their site as well on the Podbean page. This is Glitter City. It is our song of the week on PS Tape Reporter. So long, and thanks for listening. I had